So if you're new to church, one of the things that we do each week, we have, um, we have time where we worship God in song, and there's lots of different ways you can worship God, and then each week we take time to look at what the Bible says, and we really believe that looking at that is enabling us to know God more, to understand who he is, and to really hear what he has to say to us. And I've got the privilege this morning of speaking. We've been going through a book in the Bible called Nehemiah. Nehemiah. He was very short. That's as good as the human's going to get today. So look, if you're going to laugh, laugh now. It's not going to get any better than that, all right? Nehemiah. And to put that in context, so we, there's 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah. The Bible's made up of 66 different books. This is one of the books in the Bible. What has happened is that the, the people that God loved, the people that he poured his affection on, uh, the Jewish nation, they decided to just go their own way. They turned their back on God. And then what happened was God said, look, if you do this, this isn't going to end well. And it didn't end well. The Babylonian empire took them into captivity. They're in captivity for many, many years. And then a king called Cyrus, which was prophesied actually in the book of Jeremiah, another book in the Bible, he actually said, look, I'm going to send you back so you can rebuild your temple. And Cyrus sent them back with lots of items that were taken captive by the Babylonians from the temple. They went back. The people of God started building the temple. They built the temple. But Jerusalem, where the temple was, was in an absolute state. It was just such a mess. And this chap, Nehemiah, who was working for the king, he goes, and if you remember, if you've been here, we went from chapter one of Nehemiah. He asked the king, he prays, he prays to his God and asked the king for permission to go back to his home country travel miles and miles and miles back to his home country. And when he gets there, he's distraught because it's in a terrible state. Now, we haven't got time to go right the way through it, but what actually happens is he gets everybody together and says, come on, God's with us. We can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They rebuild the city. It's an amazing moment. And the last time we had somebody speak on this, it was Golden Holden. Dave himself um, spoke about, I wasn't here, but he spoke about um, in celebration, they had these amazing choirs that went up on the wall. The wall was finished and one choir went one way singing. The other choir went the other way. It was like a choir off. It's just a great moment in celebration. And then about 12 years pass, and we get to the end of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 13. And this is what I'm focusing on today. So forgive me for just going through a little bit of background, but otherwise you think, what on earth is all this about? So this is the end of our little series on this book of Nehemiah. Before we get into that, I just want to ask you a question. It might seem off piece, but we'll, you'll understand why in a moment. Have you ever forgotten something? I mean, I've forgotten many things. I can remember being in one of the supermarkets thinking, something not quite right here, and then looking down and seeing I have my slippers on. <laughs> you know those moments? Have you ever forgotten things? You know, and, and maybe important things, or forgotten people, or forgotten items. You know, there's all sorts of things maybe that are coming to your mind. But let me ask this question to you. Do you know what it feels like to be forgotten? Do you know what it feels like to be forsaken? Maybe abandoned. Maybe even in 
You know, the south of, south of England is so crowded, maybe in a very crowded place. Maybe even here today, maybe watching online. Loads of people around, but you just feel so alone. Forgotten. You know, it's, it's, it's not a, a great feeling to be forgotten, is it? You know, it, it, it's not great. A few years ago, I am... Um, it's hard to believe, but, you know, I actually get asked to speak in other places. <laughs> and a few years ago, um, there was a festival, a little bit like New Day, but slightly different age group. Not only were there teenagers, there were adults there as well. I was invited to speak at a festival, a Christian conference uh, called New Wine, and it was in Sweden of all places. And uh, so I flew out to Sweden. It was quite a difficult place to get to. I was living in Glasgow, and you couldn't fly from Glasgow to Sweden. So I had to go via Amsterdam, which is just bizarre. I, tried to, I thought, can I go by boat? You know. Anyway, I, I got to Sweden, and they were lovely, lovely people. There were, I guess, quite a few thousand people at this conference. And in the first session, it was in this massive auditorium, they got me and some of the other speakers up on stage, and they were speaking Swedish. got no idea what they were saying. But they introduced us, and they said, right, now, we're going to, uh, for the afternoon or the, the rest of the morning, we're going to go off, and uh, you've got a choice of hearing these different speakers. And so I kind of got down off the platform, and everybody said, well, have a good one, you know. Good luck with your talk. And I was like, thanks. And everybody, all the rest of the team, they just went. The Swedish people went. There were thousands of people, and everybody was kind of crisscrossing like this. But you know what? They'd forgotten to tell me where I was speaking. <laughs> so I'm like, right. And then I was going out to random Swedish people saying, do, do you know, because you've got to talk slowly when you speak to foreign people, do you know where I am speaking? Kieran, do you know where I'm speaking? They're just going, oh, you know, no, sorry, mate, I don't. You know, because they all speak English, so a lot of them do. And like, so I'm actually I'm getting a little bit anxious at this point in time, a little bit panicked, because I'm aware there could be a large group of people there with no speaker, and I am that speaker. So I go up to this one lady and I said, look, I'm really sorry. My name's Kieran. I was on the stage just now. I'm supposed to be speaking. Do you know where I'm speaking? She goes, yeah, yeah, I think it's in there. So I go through these doors. Not in there, because that would be odd, because this isn't Sweden. you know. But I go through the doors, and... There's a room there, and these two people are sitting in the front. They look around, look a bit surprised. And I, I say, oh, hi. Go down the front, and I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit awkward, because I've flown over here, and there's two people. <laughs> and they're sitting there, and they're looking at me, and I, hi. Uh, and then two more people came in. And then it was time for me to start, so I said, well, listen, thanks very much for coming. And I, I, I said who I was and what I was speaking on, and the other two left. <laughs> because they realised they were in the wrong place. And I, I spoke to the two, they left, and I looked at them and went, do you, do you want? and they said, no, no, it's all right. So I thought, well, I'm not going to stand on the platform and talk to them. So I said, why don't I just pull up a chair? So I pulled up the chair, and we had a lovely chat. They were lovely. And I kind of shared with them some of the stuff I was going to speak on. But in my head, I'm thinking, this wasn't quite what I expected. International conference speaker. 
They'd obviously heard of me. You lot must have taken notes before I was here. They'd obviously heard what I was like, and two people showed up. At the end of my session, they said, oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely meeting you. And I said, well, thank you for coming. They said, well, we didn't really, because we just met to just have a little catch-up. They didn't want to hear me either. <laughs> Do you know what it's like to be forgotten? <laughs> I got hurt feelings. I got hurt feelings. <laughs> to quote Flight of the Concords. So anyway, it turns out, it wasn't where I was supposed to be speaking. <laughs> and there was a room with many people in it. The organisers were just about to call the police because they thought I'd been killed or died. I was forgotten. And it was quite awkward, actually, because after that then sort of sequel, they, that evening they got me up on stage in front of everybody and people just laughed at me in Swedish. <laughs> and they said, look, he's going to speak again and we've reorganised it. But maybe, I mean, in some ways it's a humorous story, but if, if you're watching this now, or you're sitting here, you, you might be reminded of something where you sense somebody's forgotten something vitally important in your life, your world. What do you do with that? And you see, going back to the book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah chapter 13. It's really interesting that Nehemiah starts in chapter 1 with him praying and it ends with him praying. Lucy, I wonder if you could put the, the one verse we're going to look at from chapter 13 on the screen. This is Nehemiah's prayer. Remember me with favour. Or some translations, if you've got maybe another translation, it might say... Remember me for good, oh my God. You know, there's a cry there from his heart. Remember me, oh my God. So look, maybe, just maybe you're here today, and not only do you think that other people have not remembered you, but maybe you feel that God has forgotten you. Is that you today? Is that you watching online? Do you feel that God's forgotten you? Not only has maybe the world forgotten you, but do you, do you think God has forgotten you? Now, it's interesting that Nehemiah prays this prayer. Now, I don't think Nehemiah was necessarily thinking that, but he prays this prayer, remember me, with favour, my God. Do you know he prays this prayer six times in the book of, or he prays remember six times in the book of Nehemiah. Six times he prays. So he's been away for 12 years. He goes back to the king for 12 years. His memory was of this amazing celebration as everybody went around the walls saying, God, you're amazing. We're going to follow you forever. And when he comes back in chapter 13, the reason I'm not reading it is because it's just too long. If I read chapter 13 to you, you know, it'd be getting dark before we finish church. You can read it for yourself, so I'm going to summarize it. 
Chapter 13 of Nehemiah. He's been away for 12 years. He comes back, and maybe his expectation was, these people, they love their God, they remember their God. What he comes back to is, it kind of seems like they've forgotten God. And there's, I call it the beard-pulling and slapping chapter of the Bible, because he gets really angry about it. You know, we'll come back to that. But the, what goes wrong? Okay, he comes back. The first thing he, he, he encounters is, or he encounters several things, but one of the things he encounters is the temple that has been rebuilt for the worship of God. The high priest, in other words, the person that you think would be leading the people to worship God, he has cleared out all the items that King Cyrus gave the people to return to worship God with, the, the gold cups and things and all the precious items. He's cleared them all out to make space for storage for one of the people that was an enemy of those people that objected to everything they were doing that caused so many problems. So he's cleared out the temple and said, you store your stuff there. What else did he find? Well, he came back and he found that the, the things that the people willingly gave as part of their worship to God, like you were saying about giving money, the things that people willingly gave, they were called tithes and offerings. It would be very practical things like grain and flour and stuff like that, that they would give so that the priests could actually survive. It was to provide for the people that were serving in the temple. They'd stop doing that. So all the priests have had to go back and get ordinary kind of daytime jobs, you know, farming their fields to try and make ends meet. So they'd stop doing that. What, what, what else had happened? Well, basically, that, I mean, when you read it, you, you kind of get the feeling. It doesn't say it, but I get the feeling they kind of forgotten God. It says that in the Bible, it says that, you know, God wanted a day when people could rest. So look, if you're working seven days a week, you're not designed for that. That's going to make you sick. God made us to have at least one day where we can rest. And that day was supposed to be a day when we could just be grateful, you know, to God and think of God. And they'd abandon that. They'd started, you know, just doing their ordinary day-to-day -day work on what's called the Sabbath. They turned their backs. And then, to cap it all, one of, the, one of the things that I think is most challenging is, is when opposition comes, but it comes from, like, within, from the closest. You know, have you ever had a friend that's turned their back on you? Or have you ever found out that somebody very close to you has done something which is really, really hurtful? Well, it turns out that the high priest's family, I think it's the grandson of the high priest, had by marriage linked himself with the people that wanted to destroy the people of God. So right from the inside. And that's Nehemiah 13. And they were, rather than marrying the people that loved Jesus or loved God, they were sort of following the customs and people marrying into all sorts of different religions and families. And Nehemiah got so desperate, he started slapping and beard pulling. You know, I don't recommend that. Not everything in the Bible is something we should copy. And he prays this prayer. Remember me with favor. 
my God. Six times he prays. In chapter, chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Nehemiah, he prays, remember me, when he was giving stuff to help people that didn't have any food. He prays, God, remember me for this. He actually prays about his enemies and says, God, remember them for what they've done in chapter 6. And then in chapter 13, four times he prays, remember me with mercy because of your great favor, O God. Remember me for these things I have done, he prays. So what, what, why is that? Well, I think it's, it's for this reason. Nehemiah knew he had a God who cared about him. And he could go to God and say, God, don't forget this. Other, other people seem to have forgotten you, but don't forget this. You know what I started by saying about, do you think maybe God has abandoned you? Yeah, he's not abandoned you. He, he's not forgotten you. What it actually says in the Bible is that God has engraved your name on the palms of his hand. Big hands. <laughs> But metaphorically, God has engraved, you know, he cares so much for you that it's like you're so precious to him. It, it's almost like he's had a tattoo done with your name on it. So precious are you in the sight of God. He's not forgotten you. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says it's like a, a nursing mother. How can a nursing mother forget the infant that she is feeding? That's what it says. How could that happen in the same way your God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Have you ever felt like God has? He hasn't. And it's interesting because Nehemiah prays. You think, well, that's not a great prayer. It's not a very good prayer, is it? You know, God, remember me for these things I've done. Does that mean he's trying to kind of like, I've got all these good works that I've done. I'm trying to earn my way to your favor. No, no, no. It's like... This is part of what I'm doing, God. It's, it's conversing with him. Have you ever done something and felt nobody's noticed? <laughs> I know I have. Have you ever put a lot of effort into something and maybe got no thanks? I know I have. But equally, I know that I've not thanked people that have done things for me. I've not acknowledged people that have gone out of their way for me and I reflect back on that one of the things I love in the Bible that it says is this and Arif you know thank you for showing us scriptures as we took bread and wine you see Jesus before the night before he was crucified it says he took bread part of the Passover meal he took bread he lifted the bread and ripped it apart he broke the bread, which is what, why we symbolically do that. He took the bread. He broke it. And this is what he said. He said, this is my body. Obviously, it was a loaf of bread. It wasn't his body. But this is my body, broken for you. The symbol of it being torn apart, because that's what was going to happen on the cross. Broken for you. And then he said these words, do this in remembrance of me. That's what Jesus said. Remember me is what Jesus said. 
in 2 Timothy, another book in the Bible, chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. It says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. Not only was he crucified, but he was raised to life. Raised from the dead, descended from David, from King David. He was a human, fully human, of the line of this king that was prophesied. Jesus came. This is my good news, my gospel. God hasn't forgotten. And how do we deal with that sense of being forgotten? We can remember Jesus. We can remember his death on the cross. We can remember what he has done for you and for me. I think probably my, one of my favorite bits in the Bible is when Jesus was being crucified. I think I say this almost too many times in talks. I certainly said it at Easter. Jesus being crucified with a thief on his left, a thief on his right, hurling abuse. And then suddenly they come to realization. One of them comes to realization. I don't know at what point that he realizes that Jesus is not only being crucified with them, but is this amazing saviour, this amazing God. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me. Nehemiah prayed it hundreds of years before, remember me. And that's what this common thief, being crucified, this brigand, this criminal, he's got the pure, spotless son of God next to him. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Please remember me. Beautiful words. Today, Jesus says to him, you will be with me in paradise. Remember me. Has God forgotten? No. We could look at so many bits of the Bible that would reinforce that God hasn't forgotten you. The world may have forgotten you. You may have been rejected by everyone. Listen, I, I know what rejection feels like. I know what that feels like. I come from a broken background. I know what it feels like. And here is what I have found. Jesus can help you to know full acceptance from a living God. Remember me. That's Nehemiah's prayer. But he prays this, remember me, my God. It's not just any God. It's not like a, you know, a lucky rabbit's foot that's in your pocket that you pull out and think, somehow, God, will this work? I don't know. God, if you're out there, I don't know if this works. No, no, no. He's praying, remember me, my God's. To Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my good news. Remember me. Paul, I wonder if you and the band could come up. Do you want to clap yourself as you come?
all. I'm surprised our worship team ever speak to me. You know I'm joking. If you're able to, I wonder if we might stand and we're going to just have a, a moment of prayer. If you're, not, if you're more comfortable sitting, that's fine. And then we're just going to respond in song. You might want to close your eyes or not, but I just want to pray for people that feel like they've been forgotten. Feel like they've just, everything has passed them by. Maybe even you are here and you feel like God's forgotten you. God, I want to pray for people here that are carrying the pain of feeling forgotten. God, I pray somehow the words from the Bible that I spoke will bring the truth of that pray it would bring the truth back to you right now that you have not been forgotten that God says to you I've loved you with an everlasting love Father I pray help us God not to forget you Lord I pray as we face all sorts of challenges this week as well as great joys, I pray, God, remind us of who you are, your kindness, your goodness, and your love for us. And I pray that in your name. Amen.